welcome to Dice Over Everything, the Miniatures Gaming Podcast. So it's just me, Alan, today, because Brandon couldn't make it. Why? Well, last weekend was Labor Day, and we're going to record, but instead we had a barbecue. So, yeah, you know, with the drinks and everything, we couldn't get around to actually recording anything. And so after that, uh, we just weren't able to schedule our times up, so it's just me. So with that out of the way, uh, what is the topic I'm going to talk about today? Um, Generally, when it's just me, I will talk about something that uh, I always have on my head that Brandon doesn't necessarily... Uh, like or have a lot to say and so today I want to talk about robot games and why I feel like they're an undervalued or underutilized uh, portion of the hobby. Now this might sound crazy because Battletech is one of the oldest games uh, in the miniature gaming uh, hobby space and it is at this point with the come up with Catalyst Games. It is now, I believe, it might be the second game behind Warhammer 40,000. I feel like maybe it's it's fighting there uh, right below Age of Sigmar. It's definitely, in the, I, I'm pretty sure it's in the top three. Uh, and it's doing quite well, uh, especially if I go look at the advertising in the, um, the uh, conventions that I've been going to. They have their, their giant urban mech. Uh, in uh, running around, so obviously they're doing decently. Their booth was pretty busy uh, at Gen Con. So, with that said, why do I feel like uh, uh, robot games are underutilized or, or underappreciated, or there's not enough people playing them in the hobby? Well, to me, I feel like partially it's because of BattleTech. I feel like Battletech is a, if anyone doesn't know, it is a miniatures game with giant robots, battle mechs that are piloted by by guys that has had a whole bunch of video games that have definitely outshone the original source material um, in terms of wider reach. But that also shows that uh, because they've had a bunch of successful video games. Some of them, the most successful video games of that period, I believe MechWarrior 2 for computer gamers was a huge thing. Um, although maybe that's not saying that much considering video gaming or, or especially computer gaming was uh, in its infancy at that time. So not actually that many people played miniature, uh, sorry, not miniatures, uh, computer games, but it was quite big. It's had a MechWarrior franchise. So MechWarrior is just a differently branded Battletech game uh, on the computer where you run around as a giant robot. And this kind of uh, running around in a giant robot uh, as a human, right, piloting a, I don't know, 30-foot-tall giant robot uh, is really, really popular in popular culture. So you look at not just uh, here in the West with Battletech and giant robots, but you also have to look at the huge giant robot genre in Japan, right? This is, this is a specific, like story genre or comic book genre kind of like we have superheroes here they had giant robots for the longest time uh and one of the most famous ones is voltron right you have five guys running around in giant robot lines that combines to become a giant 
even giant or robot and fighting. And in terms of popular culture, fun dynamics, this is a perfect type of, um, what do you call it? Perfect type of uh, story backdrop for games, especially like fighting games, you or, or like war games, right? You look at things like Power Rangers or Pacific Rim here, right? The idea is that you have a couple of guys who are fighting over just generally trying to beat the other guy up. <laughs> and then unlike, you know, maybe some, some other kind of um, action movies where it's one hero against a lot of stock protagonists, which oftentimes can't translate to uh, miniature games, uh, in a lot of these genre, it's equal equal sides of robots who both have lots of, of reasons for fighting, going toe-to-toe, -to -toe, having special powers, fighting each other. This is exactly what you want when you want miniature games, right? Or when you want people competing. Oftentimes, it's not just a one-on-one. -on -one, it's like a three-on-one or a two-on-one thing and things like that, right? And so this is a very popular kind of genre that can map really, really well onto skirmish miniature games, uh, assuming, you know, the game is set up correctly. Um, and there's a lot of other things that go into it, making it a really good game for a wider array of people. So like I already said, people have, the, the, the guys in these source materials often have special equipment that help differentiate them right kind of like um it's kind of like a fighting game kind of dynamic which uh but when you push up the fighting game dynamic to enough guys that's when you have the sweet spot for miniatures so technically i think one-on-one -on -one or two-on-one -on -one is a little bit harder for miniatures because the fact that movement is so important in miniature gaming to help keep the gameplay interesting and dynamic, right? Um, whereas if you only have one guy versus one guy, it's quite hard to truly make the movement uh, very interesting and dynamic because you don't have the geometry interplay between multiple different possible hits and things like that going on at the same time that make a lot of our miniature games so interesting you can't do the okay i'm gonna wait for you and trick you and, and bait you into attacking me so i can hit you on the flank right when you only have one guy fighting one guy that is tough to do so it's not like necessarily if, if you just take the japanese kind of mega robos and try to map them onto miniature games uh it doesn't work perfectly just because the few number of miniatures but it's very easy to expand that out one level and especially with things like uh voltron where you have five robots fighting right because once you have five robots fighting five robots or even three robots fighting three robots you get that dynamic and then you get all the benefits of each robot having special powers having one-ups of the other person right like being able to have that kind of different dynamics of capabilities that make miniatures and placement of your miniatures interesting and cool the thing is, you know, when we play miniature games, though, you want these super epic feelings and fights, right? So the fact that these robots, when you only have three of them 
but they're giant, you have that, you still get that epic sense of scale when you're fight, like when you're fighting giant army games, right? Because in a lot of ways, these robots, especially if you go to the Japanese kind of side, they're like summing up the war potential of an entire, you know, of a nation, right? Uh, in one, you know, humanoid giant thing, right? Humanoid tank thing, fighting it off against the other person's entire industrial war output, right? That if you watch a lot of them, that's a lot of what happens, right? And so when you have this kind of uh, dynamic, you will you can get the feelings of epic like civilizations crashing that you get when you're playing army games such as the Warhammer. You know, sometimes actually in Warhammer they'll allow one side have one giant guy which has that kind of feeling, right? When you bring a dragon to uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battles, right? He's a huge part of your army and the idea is that dragon is the equivalent of a whole bunch of, you know, blocks of infantry, right? And so when you do the same thing but you just replace all the blocks of infantry with giant robots, you can still, with fewer models, maintain that sense of epic scale, especially when you go outside of 28 millimeter. So this is why things I feel like Battletech has really worked, because unlike a lot of these, you know, smaller miniature games, 28 millimeters, where you have to have a giant robot, the Battle tech minis are supposed to be as big as buildings and instead you have terrain that is as big as like that you know tiny little buildings to help sense set that sense of scale for your robots to go out there and fight so it really ends up uh still feeling epic and and uh civilized civilizational like existential crises when these battles happening and what is on the line the plus side of having these giant robots, each giant robot representing blocks of infantry is you only need one model, right? And when you scale it down, that model is the size of an infantry guy and it requires a lot less buy-in than if you were to try to do the same kind of sense of scale and feeling while playing in 28 millimeter. And that's really one of the big reasons why I think these type of games, these larger scales with fewer models representing still the same kind of battles can really help get new players in, right? It's so important to, to give new players or different players ins into the game. And also to make the game easy to play for old heads. So for example, one of the great things when you have so few models is uh, you're playing a skirmish game essentially, right? So these giant robots fighting end up being the same as playing a skirmish game, right? In terms of the tactical moving, in terms of the ease of play, in terms of ease of setting up, it's the same as a skirmish game, except you've scaled everything up and instead of having trees and buildings, well, well, you still have buildings and trees, but they're like apartment buildings and giant redwood trees because they have to match the scale, right? But once you have those things, you can have a much easier time, right, of playing these small tables that are 
skirmish games, but having the feeling of epic scale like you do when you play these giant war games. So this to me is so excellent. And honestly, besides, you know, the history of Battletech, I think this is one of Battletech's greatest strengths in terms of a game is that it, by scaling everything down, you can have these skirmish games with epic feeling and you can have people because especially since these robots are supposed to have each the equivalent power of like, I don't know, an entire battalion, you can have four giant robots, which is which would be the equivalent in 28 millimeter is of four guys. So so not even a full squad or a full row of archers or something, but you have four giant robots and you could plausibly say this is the main military might of my nation right or at least of a, a very of the this uh division of this of the army right this is a huge great selling and it helps great for for feelings of epic scale while still keeping game skirmish where a lot of people feel like skirmish just doesn't give you that um that feeling of mighty titans clashing that you people often actually want in their war games. And then the other thing is let why I think BattleTech specifically is so great is because they've scaled things down. They're like one to I don't remember the scale. It's very high. <laughs> um, is that because they're the size of of miniatures, painting four guys is so much easier than painting even 10 guys, right? Where a lot of the skirmish games play with 10 guys. Uh, you can play with giant robot games, fewer guys, give them more cool equipment and powers and things like that. Basically make it more like hero on hero combat because that ends up being, in terms of actual gameplay, what it what it is, right? And by reducing the number of miniatures that are fighting on each side, you make it so much easier for people to actually get painted like finish painting their miniatures and then speaking of painting miniatures robots are often much easier to paint to a okay level than humans the problem with humans or humanoid things is that they have skin and making skin that is passably realistic and look okay is a lot harder than painting something a certain color and making it look like a painted tank because in real life you know giant robots would be painted so when you paint you know you paint the paint on the robot it's easier to simulate a giant robot whose outside has been painted and of course any kind of uh, armor painter like painter that that paints a lot of armor will know that there's a huge skill ceiling for painting armor but the important part is the skill floor is so much lower for armor, for robots, than it is for humans. Sure, once you get into painting, right, like painting, like Brandon and I for, you know, over 20 years now, painting miniatures, painting either is, you know, relatively easy. And, and actually, at this point, I find painting human miniatures actually easier than painting uh, armor, but 
if I were to you know talk to my nephew or some young people coming into the hobby, for sure the armor makes it so much easier to get something that looks decent onto the table painted. And that's so important, at least in my opinion, for keeping people in the hobby. You need to have that creative outlet. That's what makes uh, miniature gaming, it's part of what, or a major portion of what makes miniature gaming more enticing and more uh, addictive than board gaming, right? Where you don't even paint or hobby or anything like that, or, or video gaming. And you could argue that it's the only thing that makes board gaming different than uh, miniature games because I want to talk about the next thing that has been really good with giant robots. And this might be specific to Battletech, is that the board in Battletech is so small relative to uh, humans. And the reasons for this, maybe they don't necessarily make a lot of sense, but a lot of the reasons for this is because we don't actually have giant robots fighting. So we have no context to make sense of what ranges should actually be. Like we kind of do. In, in Battletech, you're like, oh, well, it's shooting a giant laser. You should be able to shoot from a kilometer away, right? But it's not quite as bad as when you have humans fighting or things that resemble human battle in real life, such as medieval fighting, because we have historical documents and records of how far, how big... Uh, battles actually were and so you we have issues because when we reduce those sizes down to uh, tabletops that you can actually play in uh, they are always too small unless you are playing on a 20 foot by 20 foot table right no one has space for that and how would you even walk you'd have to you know like walk on the table to actually get to the center of the battlefield so when you have robots you could just be like, you, you could do the whole cheesy science fiction it, right? It's like, oh, yeah, in science fiction, they just, you know, can't. In the future, I don't know, anti-missile anti, uh, or bullet tech deflects guns from that far away, so you have to get close. Now, I know this doesn't happen in Battletech, and actually the problem with Battletech, there's a problem with Battletech in scale, especially in the spaces. But I'm just saying it's a possibility. You can do this, right? And this is actually, and and the fact that uh, for core Battletech, the boards are so small relative to the, you know, four by eight, or even now at this point, I feel like four by four is too big. I don't have a four by four table at home. So I actually have to bring out special boards to go and play it, to extend my kitchen table for when I have friends over to play uh, Infinity, which is one of my favorite games. So that to me ends up being an issue, but Battletech, because you know the mats are so small and you use spaces and everything like that, uh, it's so much easier to play at home. Now, specifically for Battletech, uh, there is kind of a big issue is that in my opinion, Battletech is way too simulationist and it is way too close to the version in the 80s. You'd figure after like, 30 years of, of time, they would have cleaned up more. I, I assume, I haven't played the original Battletech, but you would have assumed they would have cleaned up a lot more than they actually did. There's a lot of rolling, and in my opinion, a lot of needless rolling that 
is there because it is the easiest solution for simulating what they wanted to do, but not, but without a, but nobody decided to come back to it and think, oh, is this the best way to simulate what they're trying to show? And I feel like, for example, like uh, missiles, the way that the missiles hit the armor, I feel like is not great in Battletech. Uh, and so there's just a lot of craft. It makes the game very, very hard to play because there's just too much mem like stuff going on that feels like you're calculating what a computer would do, right? One of the great things about tabletop design that has shown we have progressed in terms of um, design, like principles of design in tabletop, is we've gone past the idea of just making it a one-to-one -one simulation because we can't compete with video games. If you want a perfect simulation of what's happening, you would have a video game or an application uh, calculate all of that for you. Right? You wouldn't force a human to go and do all that stuff. So when you have a game that's optimized for human-on-human -human play, you would not lean into that because you're never going to be as good as a computer. And why would you... So you should aim for uh, having the best kind of gameplay for the actual medium you're playing. And I don't think Battletech does that. Uh... But I love so many things about Battletech, right? Uh, besides that, obviously all the things I just mentioned generally about uh, tabletop uh, robot games and why they should be amazing. Battletech is the standard bearer that does that fulfills all of these things. It has very few guys, so you don't need too many mechs. Uh, they're giant, so it still feels epic. Uh, they all have they don't have necessarily special powers like they would have in. Um, in uh, uh, Japanese uh, cartoons and media, but they do have different, very interesting weapons that have different ups and downs. They have a cool heat mechanic that kind of keeps you honest in terms of the actions you wanna do and also adds a very cool simulationist feeling like you're, you're having a giant ponderous robot that needs to be wary of just overheating so it gives it that feeling of a clun clunking kind of machine very tank-like. So these are all like great things that Battletech does, but then the game takes forever to play because there's too much stuff that's in there, right? And then I honestly, in general, I don't like spaces, but I have learned as I've tried to, to sell more people outside of, you know, people who are just already miniature gamers into miniature gaming spaces and ways to play where you don't have to measure with the measuring stick is so important not so important it's a real negative for a lot of people having to measure things out with inches or centimeters because that calculation it's more than just the rote annoyingness of measuring and using the measuring tape there's a psychological issue of measuring with a measuring tape and never being able to have it exact that a lot of people who play really hate it. It's not that they necessarily can't do it. It's that that thing in the back of their head. It's almost like OCD for a lot of people where they're like, well, I, I moved it here roughly with measuring tape, but I know I didn't measure it perfectly. So I could either be a little bit too far or a little bit uh, too uh, 
uh, close, right? Or it's more like uh, if I want to stay away from them, then I probably measured it a little bit too close. But if I wanted to be closer to them so I could get the perfect shot, I probably measured it a little bit too far, right? Those kind of measurements really bug a lot of people and detract from the gameplay, even though for me it's not a big deal because I have a different way of thinking about it. And especially where games, you know, it's not an issue of, of millimeters, especially when you play with uh, intent, which means you're just like, I know this guy's supposed to be right out of your, your range, right? And then you play it out like that, right? Um, because I play it like that, you kind of dealt with that. But but to, to other people, that sounds like a cop-out. To them, the verisimilitude of having spaces is not as big of a deal. It's actually in many ways better to allow them to think about the game in a way where they don't have to think about, oh, I'm just in or just out or worry about those things. They just know they're in this space and they have this far away, right? It, it comes very natural to them. So having spaces in Battletech, I guess this is not really about robots, but it is about Battletech. So Battletech's the most popular one. So is, I think, in many ways, a very big plus to the game, especially when you have terrain that you put on the spaces, right? So it still can look cool while still being relatively easy to play with the spaces. So, but again, like I said, Battletech is super old. It's super crafty. It has a lot of issues with it trying to be too simulationist in that does not perfectly match the miniature gaming um, hobby. So the thing is, they know that this was an issue and they knew this was an issue in keeping them out from, from getting a larger audience because the game is also super complicated so they create another game alpha strike and honestly in many ways i love alpha strike this is a game where they filtered things down and they made it so much easier to play and they simplified everything down so this is like a game where as a beginner or as a new player you can really quickly get up to speed on how to play uh, and and what's happening on the battlefield, right? However, they were not fully trying to sell to new people. They weren't just like, oh, Alpha Strike is the, you know, the casuals battle tech, which is actually what I wanted because I'm a way more filthy casual than people who play battle tech, right? This is not this is not a game that you can just sit down with your your like your your 12 year old child right and get them to play or, or 10 year old child maybe a 12 year olds those two years they're going to want to play battletech but like this is for your for your young child or a young whatever friend or whatever this is not the game this is kind of what they were trying to do but then they also kind of messed it up because then they made uh they made it so that they wanted to sell the people who are really who are already invested in battletech which is somewhat makes some sense but by simplifying all the core rules of Battletech, they decided they could add in a lot of complication. So the core way to play is to get rid of spaces, right? And maybe I think about it in hindsight, maybe this is because they wanted to push Alpha Strike and make it fight more equally in footing against um, 40K, right? Uh, it's just that because, you know, when you go to a store and you see a fully modeled table with like fully modeled buildings and there's no spaces, it just looks better, right? And you don't, you're not playing it when you go and look. So you don't notice the 
usability issues or, or the, the lack of fun of the fact that there's no spaces. You just see people measuring, playing this game, and you're like, wow, that's cool. It looks so much better. And maybe Alpha Strike was, was at that point where it's just like, you look at this and you're like, wow, that's beautiful. Uh, and then uh, you want to go and buy into it. So maybe there was some sort of marketing gimmick at stores or maybe conventions or something like that. But it makes the game more complicated, right? You, you lose all the benefits of having spaces and moving around. And then on top of that, instead of making it like a smaller, more streamlined, fast play version of Battletech, they said, oh, because it's so simple, if you're really into Battletech, now you can play like 15 robots. So now instead of having a skirmish game where you have four robots or whatever, now you have 12 or 15 robots fighting at the same time, which ups the complexity, ups the the, the barrier to getting into the game. It just makes it so it, – all of the things that, made, that the streamlining did to help it reach a much smaller audiences, it kind of tried to sell people in a different – like sell – like use that to sell people on these bigger things, right? To make it easy, like simplify the core gameplay so you can have 15, 20, whatever kind of mechs and, and you know other types of infantry so that you could actually play that. And I think in many ways that is actually a limitation on its ability to reach further out in the audience. It probably allows you to sell to Battletech players, existing Battletech players who are already probably fine with Battletech because you're keeping the complexity high, right? Because those people would still look at Alpha Strike and be like, ah, it's maybe that's a little bit too simple for what I want, so I'm going to stick with the old Battletech. But then you're losing so much of the benefits that you get from sell selling you know, the larger scope of players, right? Now, obviously, they did, it wasn't that bad because Battletech is selling like gangbusters now. I'm just saying that, you know, if I were to think about the optimal game for new players, uh, it would be, it wouldn't be Battletech, obviously, but I'm not sure it would be Alpha Strike either. I feel like it would be Alpha Strike with the, some of the the alpha strike is a little bit too simple in, in some of the shooting things uh but like alpha strike with the extra pilot die that is a house rule that a lot of people play with uh and if you don't play BattleTech, you don't know what i'm talking about but just there's a common house rules to make BattleTech gameplay more interesting in the long run and you just put that in and there's actually a couple house rules uh, in the actual uh, Alpha Strike rules that a lot of people will use, but there's a there's a community house rule with a pilot die that I think is just a cooler way to do it. Uh, so you don't actually have to think about that unless you're getting into Alpha Strike right now. But in terms of the argument, when you, having that and having spaces and playing Alpha Strike as a fast playing twenty minute, thirty minute uh, game, so instead of trying to compete with larger games trying to compete with kill team oh, i guess kill team is too long now but trying to compete with shade spire almost is what you would want for your miniatures game i think that is brilliant if you can do that with alpha strike and so taking alpha strike playing it on spaces on a small board with only four guys fighting that is has the ability to have a huge reach and Battletech has so many benefits like I said there's so many video games so in terms of um, 
storyline. It has a super rich world storyline and everything like that. If they were to sell that version of Battletech, which I don't know why they, they don't do it, like, directly, uh, I think... I think that is, on, that's almost like, I feel like it's almost like on the cusp of becoming a huge thing in the hobby world. If they just sold this box that allows you to do that, four on four. And they kind of have, honestly. That's the crazy thing. You have these Battletech books or boxes in that you buy. And I bought so many of them. I'm, I'm, I'm a recent Battletech convert, right? They have all the minis. They have four, like eight minis, ten minis, and things like that. You have the Alpha Strike box with, with cardboard terrain and everything like that. But having the spaces, playing with spaces and being able to play on that board, just having that perfect, like Alpha Strike is really good, but then you're like, oh, well, you're supposed to play on a board that most people don't have. And it feels silly, I guess. Like you, you could say, oh, well, just play on your entire kitchen table. And I guess that kind of works, but it makes it harder for people to really understand, you know, to, they don't feel like they're officially playing, right? But if you have your official format, like I feel like this is one of those things that uh, Games Workshop really did well. That's like a thing where Games Workshop innovated in some ways. The 22 by 30 inch map. So, which, you know, the original Battletech map is actually around that size too. So I guess it's not really innovation, but at the same time it is innovation in terms of making it that size to make it easier to play. Because I feel like a lot of miniature game players at, and hobbyists, I, think, I don't think they really think about enough about how the size of your table and board and setup of the game limits how much people will play it right if your game uh if if you know like like miniature table uh, tabletop games are competing with all the other games out in the world they're not just competing against other tabletop miniature games right they're competing with board games which have now blown up huge right and uh they're competing with video games video games you just go to your computer sometimes the computer that you're already on because you're addicted to the internet like me and you just turn on your video game and you start playing and that has so little friction on playing like you know with video game players they they can kind of even see that like the fewer clicks it takes to play the video game the more people will want to play the game and the more likely they are to get people you know into that kind of addicted addicted is maybe not the right word but like invested player habits right where it becomes a part of your daily thing and you can kind of see this like with phone games phone games generally suck compared to computer games or all these other ones or, or indie games right but they're so much more popular in the world because they're so easy to play similarly tabletop games like board games so non-miniature kind of games these are people that really like complicated, meaty games, and it's a huge thing. It's now like far surpassed. Uh, like the new hardcore tabletop board game crowd is a relatively new phenomena, and it has far surpassed the wargaming hobby by orders of magnitude in that period of time since Catan, right? So these are people that don't shy away from complication. But why do they shy away from miniature tabletop gaming? You'd think this would just be another thing that people would play a lot, 
but they don't necessarily. And, and there's some arguments about the fact that, you know, tabletop gaming is generally violence. Uh, but everyone loves violence, right? Game of Thrones, come on. Um, but these simulationist things, a lot of, of, of these things is it, it feels like a, even, even if people would like tabletop games a lot, it's the feelings of investment before they get into the game that stops people from taking that leap, right? You have to assemble your models, then you have to paint them, right? Then you have to put them on the table, and 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 then you have to clear off a giant space to actually play them. So even if you ended up as a hobby just assembling and painting them, actually getting on the table to play them is like if you have to clear off a four by four table, like it's so much harder. And just that every point of extra friction is so much makes so much makes everything so much harder to play that's why battletech when you have that battletech alpha strike in a box so easy to to take out your models and put them down without like you know initial players would not paint them right put them on the table and play that is a huge deal and then having it be an epic battle so you get almost like the highs of the highest you know miniature wargaming kind of verisimilitude feelings that is the kind of feelings people want when they go and play these things. So that's why, you know, you have that sheet, have that, you know, Battletech small sheet that you can fit even on a coffee table, not even necessarily your, your kitchen table, is a huge benefit for getting people, new people, into the hobby or transition from board games. I feel like there's this giant space that has not being fully realized which is and it's kind of getting pushed on but it is miniature board uh, war games that are also tabletop board games and there's a few in the tabletop board gaming space but in my opinion alpha strike could really hit if it cleaned itself up and like took the pieces now here's the crazy thing all of the things that i mentioned right you know smaller spaces you know spaces a good box right which is the alpha strike box uh and uh and you know four and four battles technically that is all in the alpha strike rulebook right so some people may be listening at this point and be like what are you talking about you can always play like that but the issue is that when you read that rule book or you buy that box that is not the way they tell you how you should play. They're, they explicit, they, they basically explicitly say, no, you're supposed to grow up into this uh, play Alpha Strike in the way that people who are super into uh, Battletech and who want to play giant 4x4 or 4x6 tables with 20 mechs per side want to play. They're trying to grow you up into that kind of space as opposed to saying, no, it's fine. Actually, one of our greatest formats is this Game in a box, Battletech Alpha Strike. All of the cards have the numbers to spaces, so like mapped to spaces. Uh, and you you only play four by four. And whenever you buy a new box of Battletech, that's a new lance that you can mix and match, right? A new army that you can play on this battle. And that type of, of thinking, I don't know, to me, like instead of trying to compete and trying to encourage new guys to like grow up to play, compete against... 40k make it like x-wing make it that small board game like thing where you get all of these board gamers who don't who are too afraid to take the leap 
uh, into miniature wargaming to try it out with this long-standing staple that you have that would be called Battletech. That, to me, is why I think robot gaming, or I guess Battletech specifically, is so on the cusp. It's already doing super well. Think about if they perfectly made that box to sell directly to tabletop gamers. If they released a game called, I don't know, Beta Strike or something, or Omega or something like that, I guess it should be Alpha Alpha. Alpha Alpha Strike? Who knows? Uh, and they said, no, this is... it. We're not telling you you should grow up to play a bigger game. This is not... We're not trying to trick you into being... To invest in more. We're saying, no. This is for you board gamers. This is an offshoot of Alpha Strike. This is Alpha Alpha Strike. And it is only made for board gamers and people who want to play a game in half an hour. And then if you like it, you can play two games, right? And you, you, this game is set up to come to uh, be an alternative uh, when you want to play giant robots instead of, let's say, uh, I don't know, uh, Lords of Waterdeep with your friends or Scythe. I'm just reading the board games I have on my shelf now. Or Gloomhaven or something like that. But they're like, no, this is easy to set up. In fact, it's probably easier to set up than Gloomhaven. And then you can go out and play and you have this cool miniature gaming experience, that a uh, wargaming experience, but it's in a tabletop uh, format, right? That, to me, with all of the tie-ins of the video games and the property, it just makes me feel like that that should blow up even bigger than Battletech is already blowing up already, right? That should give you an in, and instead of just constantly trying to pull people away from Warhammer 40,000, you can pull people directly from board games into your hobby space. And that to me is something that Battletech is probably already, is probably already doing, but they could do even more if they leaned directly into it and just targeted them directly. And so at this point, I think it's worth it to mention and get back to the original premise is that I think Battletech is on the cusp of being able to be something even bigger. Uh, but it's not the only person in the space, right? Like all of the benefits that I just mentioned, you don't have to be Battletech to benefit from that. And, and, and technically Battletech has a very much Western uh, type of media um, history backing it. It is much more in the vein of you know old science fiction uh, books and things like that than it is from what modern consumers, young consumers of media have, where a lot of it will be, if you're talking about giant robots, it will be Japanese cartoons and comic books, right? And when you take those things, and you take like like I was talking about before, you know, uh, like Voltron, <laughs> um, you can actually probably look for other games that do a similar thing, and that's where I think I remiss to or have avoided talking about a game, Monster Apocalypse. Now, Monster Apocalypse, in many ways, has done 
all of the things I mentioned. It has spaces, it has giant robots, it even has giant monsters, which were kind of exactly good for, for that. If you buy the terrain, so originally you didn't even have to paint things. This was a great property that could, if in modern day, I feel like it could much more easily sell into the premium board game market. And in fact, it tried to do exactly that. But, and I actually, there was a Kickstarter, but it kind of messed up because Privateer Press, along its long string of uh, recent losses, uh, partnered up with Mythic Games. So all of the art, all of the gameplay and everything was done. All they needed was Mythic Games to uh, manufacture the board games and the boxes. And Mythic Games, if you know anything about that, uh, Mythic Games screwed the pooch and it's basically going into business. Uh, yeah, so that's not happening, and that killed Monster Apocalypse. And I feel like Monster Apocalypse is another game where that could have possibly bridged that gap, where it's kind of a miniature game, kind of a tabletop, um, a tabletop board game, and it could have bridged that gap so that you could play it. Um, you could get all this crossover, and in fact, it did. I don't. I feel like a lot of the people that got a Monster Apocalypse were not miniature war gamers. They were tabletop uh, board gamers, and they fell in love with basically a, a type of of war game, right? But with giant robots, and that's what I mean. That cross appeal, like it did really well, right? It did so well that. Uh, it also got optioned for a movie, which also went nowhere. Another another L for Privateer Press, unfortunately. Like, I thought Monster Apocalypse was very cool, and I'm very sad that I'm no longer going to get into it. Uh, right? I, I saw the board game, the Kickstarter, and I was like, oh, this is my chance to finally get into Monster Apocalypse. That didn't work out. So, again, so many spots where there's, like, it's ripe for for the taking, but it just has not hit yet. There's been so many almost hits, and it just keeps on missing, and it's so surprising. Uh, and yeah, so I guess that's basically a lot of my thoughts on robots and robot games in tabletop. And I think, what about when I think about the future and the possibility of new games to come into the space? Now there are smaller whatever games, things like uh, uh, Ash Barker's uh, Steel Rift is an indie game with robots, which is uh, I think really good. Although it does use um, larger, it, it it's more like a Alpha Strike like uh, game, so it's trying to aim for miniature gamers right not trying to be that like crossover game and i think that's good in many ways right but it's just not the thing that i'm talking about that where where robot games have so much potential to, to go up one level right um and get a lot like a, get a new wave of people to come into the hobby right now i feel like we are i don't want to say stuck with battletech because i like battletech alpha strike um, so, but right now it's just Battletech and Battletech Alpha Strike that is 
feeding people into the hobby through miniature games. It's just the weird part is that once you're fed into Battletech, there's no, there's so few alternative games out there if you want something a little bit different. And then Battletech doesn't hit that perfect game for the that would sell people in the board game market that could convert people over right it still has both alpha strike and battletech have a lot of baggage because they're trying to sell to uh the same group that has to compete with other miniature games as opposed to i think winning over new people who would most easily get won over by battletech type of games right so robots and stuff like that and so in that way, I do feel like having a small, more feeder league, I guess, in terms of that. Like, I feel like Battletech and Alpha Strike, because they're so close, but actually so far in many ways, in my opinion, they're almost like the 40K for robot games as 40K is to the rest of the tabletop industry, right? It's like Battletech stands there and it's just like their robots and their mechs are just killing every other kind of ability for these other robot games to enter into that space while also not actually being the ideal vehicle for getting new people or keeping people into uh, the hobby. And so that's basically, you know, what I've been thinking about. And of course, you know, because of that, I did build a miniature game uh, that was um, that's exactly what I think would could win people over. Um, obviously, because I'm a tabletop miniature gamer, I made it overly complicated and it would need a lot of work. But again, uh, Brandon and I are working on a different game, and until we can push that out and polish that up, uh, this this other robot game is on the back burner. In the meantime, hopefully. Um, Maybe uh, there will be another game, another robot game that comes out that hits all of the things that I think uh, would work really well. And there's all sorts of other things that I think uh, outside of what I talked about that also make robot games really good in terms of winning new people or keeping interest of people. But this podcast has already been going on for 15 minutes. So I think it's it's about we can leave that for another episode. Maybe I could get uh, Brandon's opinion on it afterwards. Or maybe Battletech will uh, have read my mind and will release a new version of Alpha Strike called Alpha Alpha Strike. Or uh, That is everything I want to. And maybe they will do amazing and I will sue them for idea theft because you can totally do that, right? When you have a good idea and then the person that has all the things to make that idea successful and also the wherewithal doesn't do it, you can just sue them and, and take some of their cut for some reason. But yeah, if that happens, that would be amazing. Uh, I'd love to be able to try to you know have more different types of hooks to get my non-miniature gaming friends into wargaming. So that would be amazing. So yeah, and right now I'm just telling them to use a whole bunch of the house rules in Alpha Strike and do all these weird conversions. And I guess that's uh, fine for now. Well, that's my thoughts on robot miniature gaming and why it is on the cusp and why it's actually Battletech Alpha Strike is on the cusp of like being able to grow even more and become huge or something. Uh... But if you disagree with me, 
give us a shout. Uh, you can contact us at contact at diceovereverything.com or you can find us on Facebook or something. Uh, look up Dice Over Everything. This is being Alan. Bye.